For those of us who follow cricket, the name Philippi is one that most would absolutely know by now and follow keenly. Josh Philippi has come onto the Australian cricket stage in recent years and has become arguably one of the most liked and sought after names to watch, especially in the razzmatazz world of the Big Bash League. 100 domestic and BBL matches with 2,500 runs and an incredible strike rate of 135, as well as athletic and classy wicket-keeping, has made the name Philippi a household name. And it is the name Philippi that will be the feature of this extended episode of Out on the Paddock. However, it isn't Josh who is our guest today, but another Philippi, Steve, father of Josh, a name, however, that is definitely household in WA country cricket, who we are going to hear from today and the journey throughout this episode. And in so many ways, for those who think they know Steve Philippi, or Flip, as we know him as often, you, you may be in for a few revelations that might surprise you, including that Josh isn't the only Philippi family member that has made it onto the state and national sporting stage. In February this year of 2023, Steve sadly made the announcement that after an incredible total of 25 years of working for and at WA Cricket, or the WACA, as many of us still know it, that he was moving on to other pursuits in his life. For much of those 25 years, Steve has committed most of that to WA Country Cricket as the manager of Country Cricket here in WA. And as we will hear in this episode, his incredible le legacy for WA Country Cricket is in so many ways something that will outlast all of us potentially for generations to come. I encourage you to buckle in and hear Steve's journey through WA Country Cricket in this episode. I also encourage you to hang around after Steve's episode as we go around the grounds to hear the results of all the Country Cricket Grand Finals played throughout WA Regional Cricket in March, as well as the winners of the recently and keenly competed for WA Country Masters Cricket Carnival played over three days in late March plenty in this episode to stay engaged with. I am Rob Marshall. Sit back and enjoy episode 18 of Out on the Paddock. This is a episode of the Out on the Paddock podcast that I have really, really been looking forward to for some time. I uh, won't uh, muck around with too many introductions because I reckon this is a story that you may not have heard before, but the uh, person you probably have perhaps engaged with somewhere in your past, welcome to Out on the Paddock, Steve Philippi. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Really pleased to be here. Well, I'm pleased that we can just grab you and uh, talk about you instead of you having to talk about us or country cricket. Uh, we might get, obviously, to that at some point during this uh, this catch-up, but Steve Philippi, you, uh, you've got some things in, in your past that I'm really keen to dig into and I reckon is going to fascinate a lot of people. Uh, let's, let's, let's go right back to the start. Born in Norseman. That's, that was uh, news to me. Do you remember? 
you, you, you had some time in Norseman, I know. Tell us a little bit about growing up in Norseman. Well, I think I left when I was about five, Rob, so I have very vague memories. In fact, my memory's not great, full stop, so this is going to be an interesting <laughs> challenge for us both, I think. Um, but, yeah, mum and dad were both born in Norseman and my sister and I as well. So, um, yeah, we, we left there at about when I was starting school basically so very limited memories um you know just one or two sort of flashbacks that i get from time to time nothing more than that to be honest so dad jim well obviously there was a reason for him being in norseman he was working there at the time or had some sort of connection with norseman i'm guessing yeah well his dad was working in the mines there so um he spent some time there and then he went off to teachers college and we went off to school and then teachers college and then he came back and taught in norseman so he's sort of um, you know, came back and paid his, paid his dues to the town that he grew up in, which is something he's really proud of, I'm sure. And, and mum, uh, Barb, I'm, I'm thinking, or you've told me in the past, Barb, was your mum, she, um, she, was she involved in the community or was she um, uh, somehow connected with Norseman as well through family? Yeah, her dad was um, a miner as well in Norseman, so um, he certainly came... Um, settled there very early on in, in that gold mining era and, um, yeah, she grew up there as well. So they, they went to school together, mum and dad, from about wow. grade one or two, I think. So, uh, yeah, there you go. There you <laughs> go, absolutely. And what – sorry, I missed your sister's name. What was your sister? Uh, Karen. Karen, right, okay. Yeah. So older, younger sister? A couple of years younger. Yep. Yeah. So uh, you were belting her up, no doubt, by the time she came along, as all big brothers do, in a kind way, in a proper way, <laughs> in an appropriate way. Or taught her she... to throw and, yeah, taught her to throw and catch and hit yeah. the ball and then it backfired on me. She wanted to play cricket in our cricket team. There so, you go. Uh, Excellent. There you go. <laughs> so, all right, let, let's move on. You, you then, from five, moved to the the bigger metropolis of Esperance. Um. According to my knowledge, you uh, spent a fair bit of time, fair bit of your schooling in, in Esperance. In fact, most of your schooling. Was that where you discovered cricket? Yeah, I think it was, Rob. Yeah. No, I think it was Esperance. Um, I don't have really distinct memories of junior cricket in Esperance. I suppose my memories are more hitting a ball on a string in the backyard, to be yeah. really honest, yeah. um, and, and trying to convince my dad to bowl me 50 overs in the backyard, not five, which he was generally prepared to do most days <laughs> after he came home from teaching at school. And, yeah, so mainly sort of hitting a ball, maybe having a few mates out the back, backyard cricket. And, um, yeah, and even my mum was was quite involved in supporting my cricket. So she got on the junior committees and so forth. So, yeah, it was, yeah I do have those memories, but I don't have really distinct memories of starting out in the game. I'm just wondering, though, if those memories did come back as you threw, Josh, your 550,000th, you know, <laughs> throw down in the nets when he was coming through. <laughs> yeah, I was a bit more willing than my dad, I think. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I, I've been packing up my house to, to relocate, as you know, and I found a few old scrapbooks in the last couple of days that my mum had kept for me around uh, cr cricket articles and so forth. So it was nice to flick back through those as well. Yeah, it's amazing uh, what you remember. It's amazing what you forget as well. But there was obviously cricket connections made during that time in Esperance, and I know you've, you know, in, in, in conversations we've had in the past, there's, uh, there's still a few connections in the cricket world now that you reference or had played with or against back in the day, and especially you went off to Junior Country Week with Esperance, I'm guessing? 
Certainly, yeah. I, play, I was fortunate enough to play four years of junior country week. In the, in the days, you had to be just under 16, so got to play from a fairly young age and um, got to play uh, with my mates from school like everybody else. So um, the likes of Shane Tobin and Eddie Turner and guys like that, um, Glenn O'Brien, people like that that I, that I played cricket with uh, back in the day. And... Um, yeah, then I went off and played senior country. I've got to slip this one in, Rob. You'll probably cut it out, but uh, got to play one year of senior country week and um, got a hundred in my first game. But uh, I know I may have much of a touchy subject that is for you. So, yeah, it is. Uh... yeah, yeah. We might cut that bit out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> only took me till forty to get one. But anyway, there you go. <laughs> that, that is that is that is a memory that clearly you have hung on to or have chosen to hang, hang on to. <laughs> Um, yeah, and just quietly uh, again, you uh, you would have if you'd uh, managed to come along, and I know we'll get to the the move that you're making and and what's happening in your world very shortly. We'll we'll touch on that, but only only a couple of weeks ago from the point where we're uh, recording this podcast, we had our WA Country Masters Carnival. And I'll give you the tip. Shane Tobin is still going as good, if not better, than probably he was back in that day. He's uh, he's um, some cricketer, an absolute beauty. Yeah, he certainly outlasted me. I, I do have fond memories. It's, it's why we always talk about the opportunity to play a final on the Wacker, and I'm, I definitely played a final on the Wacker with with Shane back then. Um, probably in the oh dear, it'd be the late seventies, I'm guessing. Yep. Uh, maybe early 80s. So, yep. um, yeah, that, that tradition that, that we've fought so hard to keep going and Shane and I and others have been beneficiaries of, it's, uh, it's something that I'm really proud of, yeah. Esperance has has a really rich cricket history, you know, going back quite a, a fair way, which is quite amazing for a region that is nearly as isolated as you can get, certainly from a southern perspective. Um, clearly a community that embraces sport and where there are other, in your time in Esperance, where there are other sports that you're playing. I know you, you know, you play a fair bit of golf now. Were you playing golf back then or basketball or tennis or the other sports that many communities like that embrace? Yeah, just to touch on the, the cricket a bit a little bit further, um, we were lucky, I think, to play on the, the Wacker because those are the days when they had two wickets at the Wacker. Yeah, so yeah. We, we, weren't, we weren't in the A section, Esperance. We weren't a powerhouse cricket team, but um, we got to play, obviously, in the B section final. Um, but, yeah, I, I certainly played junior footy like like most people and uh, sort of transitioned at about teenage years into, into playing quite a bit of golf and probably transitioned away from footy, but always always play cricket all the way through. And um, really it was my motivation to um, to go to school and, and work reasonably hard at school so that I could get enough marks to, to get out of town. No disrespect to Esperance. I absolutely loved Esperance, every minute of it. Yeah. But I wanted to get to the city and um, play cricket and have a crack at cricket. And uh, to do that, I needed to get enough marks to go to uni. So... Um, yeah, it was a driving force behind um, working hard at school and, and achieving as well as I could so that I could uh, pursue that dream, yeah. So what did that eventuate to? Because I think there's a lot of listeners, sort of, a lot of guys and a lot of ladies, people around country WA tuning in or around the world this podcast goes to these days, believe it or not. I know you know that. Um, <laughs> we've got listeners in Finland these days apparently. I'm not sure what they're listening to. Or <laughs> <laughs> um what from from the point of view of um, getting to Perth, what sort of cricketer were you? What can you describe yourself as a cricketer? Yeah, I think I evolved as a cricketer, but I certainly started out 
might surprise you to know I started out as sort of a wicket keeper batter. So um, there's a bit of an irony there yeah. with where Josh is at. But I, I, when you get to six foot two, it becomes a little more tricky. But um, <laughs> I grew quite late. So um, I managed to play first grade cricket as a wicket keeper yeah, um, right. in my early days. So I came to Perth and I'd been playing cricket for Mount Lawley District Cricket Club while I was still based in Esperance, like a lot of young players do. They get an invitation to, to join a, a premier club. So I accepted that in my year 11 and 12 holidays and came up and played some cricket as a batter and, um, yeah, got some got some runs from Mount Lawley and then um, came back the following year when I finished school and was pretty keen on playing cricket for uh, Wanneroo Cricket Club. I lived up near Kingsway. We, we relocated the whole family to, to uh, Kingsley. So I was very keen to play up there. So I've tried to pursue that. It wasn't that easy with the uh, restrictive uh, rules around permits and clearances and so forth. But I was able to play at University Cricket Club on a bit of a free path. So I went to university and um, started there about five, six weeks into the season and um, obviously made enough runs and did enough with the gloves to, to, to play every grade in the one season in my first year at university. That might say more about university than my ability, I think, but uh, it's still a nice, nice thing to be able to throw out there. University weren't a powerhouse in the uh, Premier League at that point or...? Uh... Oh, there's, a few, there's always a few games floating around when the school holiday or the, the uni holidays are on and the boys went back to make some cash in the country and uh, a few spots opened up in the grades. But, uh, yeah, certainly I had a fun time at uni. I really enjoyed the, the 12 months I spent there, yeah. So you, you eventually got to Wanneroo. Now, this by this stage you'd moved and, like you say, obviously the connection with Wanneroo because you're a bit of a, you know, the way I'm looking at it, you're a bit of a journeyman at that, you know, a, very, <laughs> a gun for hire by the sounds of it. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> But uh, you've got your way to Wanneroo. By this stage, have you and Leanne met? Have you you're married or are you still going single at that point? Um, no, it was um, quite early in my uni time. So it might be second year uni, but I probably had met Leanne at that stage. And, um, yeah, I was playing cricket, uh, really focused on my cricket at Wanneroo. Got to play with the likes uh, under Wayne Clark as oh, captain yep. coach of Wanneroo. So I yep. uh, enjoyed his leadership and, uh, you know, I had a, had a pretty good Pretty good time of it there at Wanneroo. Obviously, had some injuries along the way, which which curtailed some of my aspirations. But did play some second eleven cricket while I was there. And um, but yeah, yeah, obviously had in the background. I just had that niggling problem with with my shoulder that caused me a lot of uh, concern and caused me to miss. I probably played ten years of first grade cricket, and or maybe more, and only really played about a hundred games in, in all that time. Um, just because I just had three or four surgeries and continually, you know, sort of disrupting any aspirations I had. It's very hard to sort of train and, and apply yourself when you're rehabbing all the time. So, yeah, but it was a, it was a, it was a great experience and, um, you know, I wouldn't change anything and it sort of took me down a different path because I, I ended up focusing around coaching. So and every one door closes and another one opens, really. So, so the shoulder, was that coming because you were still either still keeping or – predominantly focused on your batting at that point. What, what was causing that? You know, was it throwing or was it um, what, what was the what was the issues with your shoulder at that time and was there any sort of things that you learnt during that time that you were able to pass on to younger players perhaps with your coaching? Um, I think it was just a physical, structural thing for me. So yep. my left shoulder, my front shoulder. So I used to just, I could just bat along and then as I got fatigued maybe I would hit a ball and my shoulder would, would 
sublacks, which means we'd just come out wow. and go back in again. And that might happen Gee. once or twice in innings and it might happen three or four times a season. And then you, every time you do that, you, you sort of tear a little bit of something. And Wow. Yeah, so it was really just a structural thing. I mean, I was at UWA. I was studying uh, physical education and recreation and strength and conditioning and all those sorts of things. So I was desperately trying to find solutions to it and rehabbing and trying all sorts of different things, but it just didn't really uh, respond the way that um, it needed to for me to be able to have the sort of workload that I wanted to do to be able to keep playing at the level I wanted to play at, really. Well, I guess it calls out something that just when I think I've come across most things in cricket, I find out something new, which seems to quite often happen when I talk to Steve Phillippe, but... uh, you know, you always associate shoulder injuries with bowlers. You know, obviously mm. I've got a, a young a young, promising fast bowler coming through in, in my stable in Justin and, you know, I'm constantly talking to him about the importance of making sure he's, you know, going through the routines that co- uh, better coaches than me that have taught him around back, stru- um, uh, back strains and shoulder strains and stuff like that. But clearly batsmen need to be aware that it can happen to them as well, although... Clearly, there were some genetical reasons for it. Is that what you're saying? Do you think, or was there things that you now know you could have done differently to have avoided that? Yeah, I think it was genetics for sure. Um, but I, I probably was more when it comes to fitness. I was more down the running path. So I used yep. to run a lot and swim a lot. I don't think swimming was necessarily great for the stability mm. of my shoulder, even though it can be. It also can't be, or it can, can cause problems. So yeah, it was just. Um, and yeah, whether I had the surgery, the right surgeries, or the um, surgeries at the right time, all of those things. Um, you look back on it now, and I've sort of moved past it. I don't really spend much time reflecting on it. It just, it just was a time, point in time, and it's um, yeah, I tried my best, and it just didn't. As I say, I'll probably finish playing cricket at about. 2930 I think yeah which is I'm early. not sure exactly yeah, yeah. really early like yeah. I was going to ask you that do you kind of lament what happened and and sort of now you know especially we'll get we'll chat a little bit about Josh in a moment but you know seeing what he's been able to go on and achieve do you sort of feel as though you you missed it, a trick you know or missed an opportunity there could have been further if you hadn't had this in you know impediment basically that was stopping you constantly from going to another level um, yeah, you, know, you wonder. I, I don't know, to be honest. I, I, having grown up in the country um, and, and not getting all that foundation coaching, I, I sort of was pretty self-taught. So I wonder if I was always just a little bit, just a fraction behind. But, um, yeah, I certainly did the work and put the effort in and, and got some, some pretty good results. And, um, yeah, it's uh, I'm certainly not at the level that, that Josh is at. Um, my wife played state cricket. Um, yeah. My daughter represented Australia, so I'm, I'm probably the uh, the, the uh, disappointment in the family, really, Rob, to be honest. <laughs> I have the credentials of the rest of them. <laughs> I, I suspect the, the other three that you just mentioned would uh, somewhat dispute that. Um, Having said that, I did want to drill down into where we're learning lots about Steve Phillippe or those tuning in, even those in Finland, are learning things about Steve Phillippe right now that uh, possibly you didn't know and one that I didn't cotton on to, to, to until you and I had got to know each other uh, a little bit better and that was what an amazing career Leanne had as a cricketer. So tell us a little bit about Leanne's cricket career. It was, it was a relatively short to be honest but yeah she she played a lot of junior cricket represented WA in underage cricket so captain the state in underage cricket and yep. um 
certainly played some senior cricket for WA. She was an opening batter as well. And um, she went to one or two national carnivals. She got an Australian squad at one stage. And um, and then about quite a young age, early 20s, she just decided to sort of head down a different path and didn't pursue any cricket any further than that and uh, got sort of took up triathlons and those types of things. So, um, yeah, she, she had a very distinguished career from a WA female perspective at, at an underage level and, and, and into senior cricket and then just decided enough was enough. So uh, played a lot of indoor cricket uh, socially after that, but yeah, really didn't pursue it any further than that. But certainly has maintained that, you know, that fitness. I remember staying in Geraldton a few years ago for our Australian Country Cricket Championships and Leanne would get up in the morning from where we were staying and walk to Northampton and back by the time the <laughs> afternoon had come from memory. So, so clearly just had that, that uh, you know, that sport uh, acumen, I guess you could say, and it's, and that's, that's clearly um, reflected in your daughter as well. You mentioned that she represented Australia, but you didn't say in what, I know, but tell the share, share with the uh, the listeners where your daughter has landed as far as sporting acumen goes. Yeah, um, she was a very good runner, Emma, as a, as a junior, Emma, and yeah. then got transitioned across into uh, pole vault and uh, represented Australia at sort of youth and junior level, so that's sort of under 20 level, so... Um, she was in the top five in the world for a number of years. Wow. Um, yeah, and she was um, closely associated with Nina Kennedy, who's, who's yep. now really excelling at that sport. So, yes. yeah, she was the, her training partner for a long time. And, um, yeah, she too had some – she's got a very similar build to me. So she had a lot of uh, injury problems and knee issues and so forth. But um, she's still running. She's gone back to athletics. And um, as recently as about two weeks ago, she made the, – she's a state – 800 metre champion or last year she was and maybe the 400 as well and now she qualified for the state the national 800 metre title at, at her age 25 um, so yeah it's been so yeah she, she's a very determined young lady and uh, yeah I admire the way she works so hard and commits to everything that she does I think many listening in on this podcast assume that we'd just go straight to what an amazing career already Josh has had. But, let's, you know, I'd be happy to talk about Leanne and Emma for the rest of this episode. You know, <laughs> they're pretty, pretty amazing family, the Philippi family. You know, I am just want to call out that I was five times Harvey Junior Tennis Champion, <laughs> if, that, if I can just throw that in there because I'm feeling very... Uh, uh, very uh, unsure about myself right now. Listening to that that acumen, it's amazing, um, and I'm I'm really pleased that um, you can talk so proudly of your wife and your daughter because they have done some amazing things, which is incredible. And um, I'm guessing with Leanne, you know, she played in an era of cricket as we discussed with uh, Avril Fay and sort of even had a chat to Christina Matthews in the last episode that was very different to what it is now. Um, and who knows what may have happened in a world of BBL for women and Leanne. She may have uh, been holding up the trophy with the Scorchers over the last couple of years. Um, well, maybe not this last season, but the season before, that's for sure. Well, then again, she might have played for the Sixers. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's, um, let, let's continue on your journey, though. So... Was there a point where, you know, and we've talked about this with other country cricketers that we've had on the podcast, was there a point 
where you just knew you were done, you know, the shoulder, it just wasn't worth it anymore? Is that is that where you got to? And and you mentioned then you moved, you saw an opportunity with coaching. So was which came first, uh, an acknowledgement that your, your, your body was done or was, did the coaching opportunity come up first? Yeah, I think it was the physical aspect of the game first. So I, so I sort of had my third or fourth operation on this track now and then I decided if I did hurt my shoulder again, I would... Uh, call it quits and I got through to the second last game of the season I remember being out at Lilac Hill and might have popped Timmy, Timmy Zura on the roof at Lilac Hill there and uh, that was the, one of the last uh, things I managed to do in my career and uh, um, I had to um, yeah I, was, I knew then I couldn't play the last game of the year and, and, and I just sort of thought you know what there's got to be a enough enough um wasn't no one wants to get to that point no. but um it just seemed to be the right time and um i, I was as i was pursuing some coaching and and educating myself around cricket and skills skill development and skill acquisition so i was always interested in that so it just seemed at that point that um it was the the right time so i just sort of and i'm, I'm a bit of a all or nothing person so if i've stopped playing then i'm all into coaching and then i stopped i coached for a long time then i was gave that away and i'm all into something else so that's just how, how i sort of roll yep. and uh yeah i switched across and started doing some uh coaching at a variety of levels well you say a variety of levels but you uh definitely got to the the let's say, the top of the tree in relation to women's cricket because uh, there was a period of time there. And again, our listeners in Finland might know this or certainly around WA, uh, you actually coached, uh, coached the Western Fury for a number of years. So was there a pro- – obviously, there was a progression to that. Did you just start out, you know, again, probably at a time when we, women's cricket was pretty raw or developing – what sort of level did you start at? Did Wanneroo have a women's team, for example, or how, how did it all start for you with the, the women's game? Yeah, it's nothing nothing sort of incremental like that. I, I did some coaching, obviously, in my role at, at WA yep. Cricket. So I was coaching the boys, 17s and 19 state teams back in the 90s. And, and I had actually had one season coaching the state women's team back maybe late 80s, early 90s when they were they were just caught out and I was not playing at the time, as we know why. Um, so, yeah, and then I just sort of transitioned off. Uh, Christine at WA Cricket went off to Guildford Grammar and I was um, working away at Guildford Grammar and got a call from Doug Harris, the talent manager, asking me if I was interested in coaching the women's cricket. And like all people, yes, you usually say no to start with and... And they ring you again and you think about it a bit more and um, it, it started to sound like a really good opportunity and it was something that uh, I was probably looking for at the time. So uh, I ended up you know, taking it up and, and doing five seasons and, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. What, what would you say is the major difference now between, I think there's some pretty obvious ones, but was it onerous to have to try and promote and work with women in cricket while you were coaching? Was it? was, you know, at, at that stage people weren't really acknowledging women's cricket like we do now. So did you find that challenging? Did you find that frustrating at times perhaps? Or was it just a case of you were working with and, and coaching the women you had and you got joy out of that? The, the, the frustrations weren't necessarily around acknowledgement. Yeah, I wasn't worried about that. It was, it was challenging. Um, we certainly didn't have much budget or many resources yeah. so you were the yeah. coach driver and the, you were booking the dinners and 
doing the physio if you, if you had to and scrapping people's <laughs> ankles and throwing balls and, um, yeah, you know, running the warm-ups and taking the rehab in the pool. So I think now in, in reflection, it would have been nice to head up a, a system where you might have had four or five assistants and some specialists across all the different facets of the game. But um, back then I didn't know any different and, um, I, you know, same as you, Rob, I'm sure you – you, when you coach, you sort of do everything, and you're a psychologist, and uh, everything to go with with it as well. So um, yeah, it was just it was fun, and it was uh, challenging, and I, I certainly embraced it as best I could. Yeah, well, I'll call out the fact that I clearly haven't got to the level of coaching you got to. You know, I definitely did find challenging, though, coaching five and six year olds in Kanga cricket back in the day. And, you know, the, the best I could do was to innovate by putting five cents on top of a stump and telling them that if they could hit it, they get, got to keep the five cents until one kid basically accused me of being, you know, pretty scungy and why didn't I put 20 cents on? <laughs> so uh, that was probably as far as my coaching acumen went. But, uh, Certainly, I think what I've really kind of not necessarily enjoyed but sort of been pleased that we've been able to unpack with episodes like we had with Avril and I'd encourage everyone to go back and have a listen to that and even uh, the Shaney War episode talking about her coming through and choosing between a sport like cricket and golf and there was clearly a lot more on offer for women with golf than there were with cricket and yet now we find ourselves in a very different time and the excitement of what we've seen recently with our WA Country uh, Women's Country Week really calls out that, that development, that almost that pioneering that you did um, and others did has finally come to fruition. And I know, you know, certainly when I first come on the Country Cricket Board, you still had some, a few frustrations at that point that women's cricket just wasn't developing at the pace that it probably should have or could have. But I think I think we're starting to see that now, um, which is well. I would say congratulations to you and and, and others like you who uh, led that charge and the legacy that you'll leave behind because of it. When you um, when you had finished playing cricket and you were doing the coaching caper, what was the point that you started to really get involved with the whacker as we knew it then? Yeah, so two stints at the whacker. I had a, a stint in the in the nineties where I was sort of trained up to be a teacher and got a call from um, Robbie Thompson or a Graham House at the Wacker to say, how, how about you come and do a very much a development role? So into the schools and into the clubs and, and then transition into coaching pathway cricket. So that was in the 90s. And then, I, as I said, I had a stint at Guildford Grammar for about seven years. And then I went back to WA cricket in the, I think about 2007, right up until about six weeks ago, as we know. So, um, yeah, it was just, um, yeah, it was just, uh, you just follow your nose stuff. You just did what you thought was, was there. And I didn't realise I was going to go back to the Wacker, but I'm, I'm really grateful that, that I got the call from Graham Wood this time who gave me a call. I'm not very good at applying for jobs. People <laughs> generally ring me up and twist my arm, clearly. And uh, he did a good job of that and it involved coaching the women and and um, managing staff and, and those types of things. So it sounded like a good opportunity. I'm really pleased that, that I took that, yeah. We had in a, in again in a previous episode, and for those listening in now who haven't listened to it, we had Barry and Graham House in a in on uh, I think it was episode fifteen. I might have that wrong, but uh, in an episode earlier this year that he encouraged people to go and have a listen to. And I know you've you've said to me a few times the massive influence that Graham had 
with you and your time at WA Cricket while he was there and and to a wider degree the influence he really had on WA country cricket. Do you want to expand on that? Because obviously I I did ask him about that and he was probably a little bit humble, but uh, you can be a little bit more exploratory, if that's the word. Yeah, I enjoyed that episode with him and Barry. It was great to listen to. Um, But, yeah, Graham was just someone that was – it just seemed to be – now that I think of it, he wasn't as, as old as, as, as he, as I thought he was, but he was just very wise and very, um, experienced. And, and I had all this energy and all this passion and he was pretty good at letting me go for a while. And, and then he would just sort of wind me back in and, and just set the record straight as to where the focus needed to be or where the energy needed to go or let's be patient. Let's build this slowly. So, um, I have a lot of uh, time for the way he managed all staff and the way that he mentored me in my in my early years at WA Cricket. And I'm, I've spent I played golf with him uh, as recently as yesterday, so he's, he's become a really good friend. And um, but he was a great he was a great boss and a great mentor, and I still bounce things off him. To, to this day. And I think the thing that we sort of tried to get out in that episode was the impact that he may or may not have realised at the time and utilising you as one of his staff member to um, to establish what we now accept and know as the, the programs in WA country cricket. You know, he was, he was clearly one of the forefathers of that and the process that he, you know, sort of paved the way for, we are now beneficiaries for as we speak right now. So I think, um, you know, I know you've spoken glowingly of that in the past and certainly others like Peter Sillinger have said to me, you know, make sure we always acknowledge Graham House's impact in, in and Barry's to a, uh, to a degree as well in making WA Country Cricket what it is today, for which we're thankful. But I'm guessing you were also thankful for just getting a job at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. He was very much the architect of the regional cricket board structure. I think that's the that's the... The, the major Take achievement, out. and lots of things yeah. have flowed from yeah. that. You know, the investment that people have put into those uh, boards in their respective communities, and the way that they've funded and supported cricket and cricket managers, and and um, yeah, players, and, and it's just been that was the most crucial thing. And we're very, as you know, Rob, that these things don't, these boards don't exist in in the other states. Certainly not to the extent that they exist here, and certainly not funded and supported the way WA cricket yep. does. So um, it's an absolute, you know, bonus for for WA country cricket that we have these structures. And I know that people don't always understand what they do and, and, and how they work, but I think that's, that's an opportunity moving forward that uh, we can we can continue to educate there as well because they are very, very important. So that's where I want to drill into now because one of the things we're trying to do through this podcast series is capture the, the lives and, and journeys of, of individuals but also the progression and an understanding of how WA Country Cricket finds itself where it is right now. When you first sort of got involved in, and came into sort of a, a more specific position around WA country cricket as such. What What's your observations now as you've just left WA cricket from when you started to where it's finished? What sort of things do you think progress, you know, and, and where we are now are as a result of, of visionaries like Graham and Peter Sillinger and others? What What's your observations there? It is, that's a tough question, Rob. It's not um, one I've thought a lot about, but just reflect reflecting on it now, I, I think there's a much more uh, clear direction for the type of cricket and the direction for, for country cricket, as you say, both male and female. Yep. 
So the Country Cricket Board has, has played a big role in this, um, creating some really clear messaging around what's important, um, where, where to put your energy, where to put your time, investing in junior cricket, investing in junior pathways. It was always there, but I think uh, it, it's stronger now and it's, it's called out more frequently. And um, I think we've got some really good people in, in country. I think it probably drifted through, but I think in more, my recent times, I think of the boards and the country cricket board as well. There's, there's guys that have been there and ladies that have been there for a number of years now. And, and they're really the sort of guardians of cricket in their, in their communities. And um, we need to keep them involved, but we also need to um, bring the next wave of, of volunteers through as well, I think. So what, what sort of things um, do you kind of reflect on now and go, you know, and, and obviously uh, <laughs> you're probably not going to call this out in a major way because I know you're, you're typically a humble person, but what sort of things do you look back on now and go, you know, we really took that to another level? You know, is it things like Country Week or Country Cup or what things did we, do you feel in your time um, that you had that uh, went, to a, went to a different level, specific programs perhaps? Yeah, I think um, two things spring to mind. The, um, the, the Northwest, the growth of cricket yeah. in the Northwest, Pilbara yeah, um, Kimberleys. Um, there was certainly plenty of work done there, but it was very much around sponsorship dollars around BHP particularly, maybe Woodside. So, um, And then when those, those dollars dried up, the support for cricket tended to dry up. So we've now got a real commitment to the Northwest and, and we've got an incredible commitment back from the people in the Northwest as well. They, they drive you know, ridiculous distances to play cricket, run carnivals. We've got some great administrators up there. We've got some really good growth up yep. there and um, some fantastic uh, outcomes. They're, they're, they're strong in the female cricket space. They're, they're, they're going really well. They, they had some great success a few years back in the Country yep. Cup. So I'm really pleased and proud of the, the output and the ongoing um, growth of and support for cricket in the northwest. So that would be one. The other one I think of would be um, just the, the pathway programs and, and calling out um, Andrew Hayes in, in in this role. He's really taken those to a next level, and, and your Van Bunge and my team as well that I had. Um, they all really very passionate about providing pathway opportunities for for males and females, and everyone would know about our 14s and regional carnivals and 15s opportunities that we provide. But we've got girls' opportunities now that, that weren't there before. So um, they're two really, not just things that we do, but we do them really well, and um, and, and they make a real difference. And, and I think we'll see the benefit for those players that come through those in the years to come. But get, for, for the listeners, ex, explain to the listeners what, is the area manager for WA Country? What what does that role involve? What what do you, you know, on reflection again now because we'll get to the bit about Steve leaving in a moment. But um, what what, do you, what what was a typical day for the area manager of WA Country Cricket? I suppose it had a couple of parts. I mean, there's a very operational piece where we had had staff on the ground in in all our regions out there in WA and and providing advice and support and solutions to any challenges that they had trying to grow the game. So that, that's very much the core of the role, I think. But um, then trying to elevate myself out of, I suppose, the weeds a little bit and, and look at where's cricket heading, yep. what do we need to be doing, what are we doing well now, where are the opportunities to get better, what are the things that that we aren't doing well as a, as a community and um, trying to 
encourage, coerce, push people into, you know, the, the compliance pieces around cricket and, and so forth that are that are very, very important. So, um, yeah, trying to move between getting kids to play and supporting staff to, to do that role into getting administrators to make sure that the environment is, is really good for those kids when they, they do play and not just kids. I mean... I was lucky. We were always able to think about adults as well because we had mm. Senior Country Week. We had the mm-hmm. Masters in recent times. We've had mm. Women's Country Week. So so my role was from you know, 6 to 60, if that's uh, a fair a fair uh, age span. And, and, yeah, I was able in my role to, to sort of look into senior cricket and, and the opportunities that, that, that are provided there for players to, to be lifelong players. So, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty diverse role, but one I, I certainly enjoyed. I'm going to um, call up um, a, a process that we've established this year on Out on the Paddock called the Power Play. Now, having sat through another successful Scorchers campaign, and I know that's a touchy point, we won't uh, go there, but uh, <laughs> uh, as Steve um, totes out a little bit of pink in the background there, but um, the, the Scorchers mastered the Power Play, I thought, this year by keeping it more towards the back end. Some teams didn't really master that. Oh, I thought they uh, they really skillfully played that one this year. So I'm going to introduce the Power Play right at this point because I think it's very a very strategic moment for me to do so. So I've got uh, four questions in the Power Play for you that we're just going to fire off and you can either answer briefly or you can answer them extensively as you like. So picking up and segueing from what you just said... Can you think of, a, it can be one, it can be a couple of favourite moments from your time in the position of area manager of country, uh, WA Country Cricket. So it could be just a, a game you saw or an event you were at, something relating to WA Country Cricket. What, what sort of, as you move off up north, and we'll get to that in a, in a moment, what, what sort of ones do you remember and go, yeah, that was a pretty, pretty special moment? Yeah, that probably relate to the the staff and the and the work that we did as a as a like team. It. And um, yeah. yeah, I, I we taught in the last four or five years we we had an annual camp that we would have, and everyone would commit to three or four days, and and we would go to variety various points in our one of the cricket managers would lead it, and we would head off to to their region, and we would spend some social time, and we would do a bit of cricket-related activities and some planning and so forth. But, yeah, I suppose my fondest memory would be the one that Ryan Hoskins ran in the Midwest and we went up to Geraldton and Dongara and uh, we went right up to uh, Exmouth via Shark Bay and, and we uh, we were on a shoestring budget. It was during COVID times, I think, or just, just, just after. And, uh, yeah, maybe just Brian, I'm losing track. As, as I said, my memory is not great. And we just uh, spent time together. And when you do, you know, long drives, as we've all done around our, our time involved with cricket, you, you talk cricket, you reflect on things, but you also sort of agree to do things better and do things differently. So there was plenty of time for that as well, as well as, you know, just experiencing what makes WA an amazing place to visit and so yeah those were probably my, my favorite memories just just spending time with with my team in their region and um seeing the impact that they were having with the, the local community or the local schools or the clubs and, and those types of things i think that really calls out and i'm saying this not you but really calls out what i got to know of steve Philippi, and that's how devoted and how committed you were to the team that you worked with and how much enjoyment you did get out of seeing 
um, you know, different staff members under your managementship um, um, really develop and grow and you've just called that out beautifully. If I think back on my own business career, I actually think fondly of, of moments similar to that where you can get together and bond as a team and really enjoy each other f- outside of just pure work all the time as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I really like that answer. I wasn't expecting that. I thought you might run with, you know, knocking on my hotel room door to see if I was still alive one morning when you got up at <laughs> five and, you know, I dared to sleep until seven o'clock or something like that. But, um, yeah, I'm glad you didn't go with that one. Uh, although I must admit I did see some pretty proud, uh, well, not proud, but uh, pretty broad smiles uh, winning the ACCC in Shepparton after a couple of years of you know, the Australian, the WA country, the WA country eleven probably not being where it was at, and and I know you and Tim Edmonds and a couple of others went out on a, a real limb that year and and chose some kids, you might say, and and basically ran the other states clean off their off the paddock, you could say. So uh, I think that was one moment that I recollect you being fairly uh, happy with and proud of. No doubt. Yeah, I could have certainly mentioned that. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, there's, there's, there's so many. I just, I just sort of honed in on that, that personal connection yeah. one, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Really glad you have because that was only the first part of the power play. So we'll keep going through the power play because I enjoy good power play um, now that my days are very much at an end. So uh, second question, one that I know this comes from an anonymous I'm struggling with a few words today, but an anonymous uh, uh, listener. The question is, uh, does Josh Josh still ask you for cricket advice or is he now moved on? Um, it's, a, it's a good question because it, it just depends on how well he's going usually. <laughs> <laughs> like most um, young men, he's uh, when he's going well, he doesn't need any help or any support. Um, and that's nice. It's just nice just to be his dad. But... Yeah. Um, Every now and then he, he does get, you know, like everyone, he has his ups and downs and he finds that um, it's all a bit confusing or he's getting a lot of mixed messages from, from different people. So um, it's certainly not a technical thing anymore, but um, we'll sit down and just try to unpack where his head's at and, and what he's thinking and, and what his next move needs to be. And, yeah, so I'd rather just be his dad, but, but that's part of being his dad. You can't pick and choose uh, the the things that you get relied upon and he doesn't do it very often these days, I'll be honest, but every now and then he just, uh, has, has a need for, for clarity, I suppose. And, um, yeah, it's either, sometimes it's a long distance thing where we have to do it yeah. over the phone. Other times it, it might be a couple of beers that we get to uh, sit around and unpack. And, uh, yeah, it's always nice when you, when your kids come to you for help. So yeah, I certainly never hesitate to help if I can. I can assure Anonymous that uh, Steve gave Josh a little bit of advice sitting in a bar with him in Canberra. That's myself and Steve uh, when Josh um, dropped a catch that went straight up in the air and he got under it and put it down. There was a bit of advice, but it's not the sort of advice we can repeat on a uh, family podcast (laughs) such as this one, but we'll go there. Because Anonymous did go on to ask, does Josh still ask for an allowance each week or has he moved on from that one as well? All right, last one in the power play for Steve Phillippe. Three people from any level of cricket that you've 
been involved with over the years. Could be country cricket, women's cricket, district cricket, whatever. Three people from any level of cricket that you would uh, love to have over for a barbecue tonight and why would you have those three people? Wow. That always Um, stumps a few people, that one. One comes to mind straight away, so I'll talk about them and somehow hopefully (laughs) two more will will, will pop into my head. Uh, (laughs) I suppose I could – well, certainly Timmy Edmonds. If he's he's not the most passionate cricket person (laughs) – the most ex- one of the more eccentric people I know, um, and but man, is he good fun to hang around with? And he's, he's so passionate about cricket, and he, he's so much uh, joy that he gets from working in the country space. So he would probably be one that, that you would have to invite, and he, he'd find out about it and turn up anyway. <laughs> I think Rob. So uh, <laughs> absolutely, yeah, that's right. You wouldn't want. So he would be one. He's uh, he's yeah, one that geez. definitely you would uh, never have any drama having a conversation with at a barbecue. So yeah, you're always looking for a good good conversation piece at a barbecue. So that's one. We got. Yeah, geez. Um, oh, well, I, I, I think he's he's the most popular man on the podcast, isn't he? Uh, Shane yeah. did well. I think. Yeah. Uh, love having a, having a catch up with Shane. He he keeps it pretty simple, uh, pretty direct. Um, but yeah, you know what you're going to get, and um, yeah, he never fails to uh, disappoint. So I think Biddy, and, and he's certainly uh, never going to go thirsty if Biddy's at the uh, the night out. He's uh, he's one of the better performers in that space I've come across. So uh, we better invite him along as well. I think. Yep. Well, him and Tim are going to then clearly, you know, debate what went wrong at the Australian Country Cricket Championships, although Tim will do most of the debating and and Biddy will just go along with whatever Tim says, I reckon. That's the best way to deal with that. So um, we've got Biddy and we've got Tim. you got a third person? Um, wow. I, I suppose we could go back. I suppose I could... Um Go back to right back to the start where we mentioned yeah. someone, someone from Esperance. Someone I was like hoping a, you would, like yeah. Shane Tobin, who um, yeah, yeah, we we were pretty uh, rivals back in the day when he was playing for for a different team to I. But, but I suppose the thing that I, I suppose everyone listening on the podcast would appreciate you you play really hard against each other and then yeah. you come to represent your town yeah. and you become you know you've got each other's backs and you, and you really aspire as a group and as a team and so there's it's quite a few guys that I, that I recall but uh he's probably the one that that most comes to mind and um I managed to play one year of senior country. I'd love to know what he did on the 30 years that, that he played senior country week. So that would be a pretty good topic of conversation, I would have thought. Oh, yeah. No, I think Shane's definitely on the radar and most of that episode will be about how Esperance would build up Harvey Leshenold at senior country week, week year in, year out, just quietly. Although we did comment as we played each other um, in Bustleton only a few weeks ago and uh, Harvey Leshenold beat Esperance off the last ball of the, the match both of us agree we have lost count over the journey at Senior Country how many times that happened between Harvey Leshenold and, and Esperance. Wow. We have had more last over finishes than any other team I've ever played against by far. It was Esperance versus Harvey Leshenold would or you could almost write the script. I don't even know why we played the other, you know, 99 overs. <laughs> we should have just went to the last over and just played that because it always came down to the last over. So some great uh, some some great cricket over the journey between Esperance and Harvey Leshenault. All right, so we've nailed the power play. Let's get to the last part and I always uh, uh, regret the fact that we do have to draw a curtain on, on, a great, on a great interview and I've really enjoyed this 
um, this opportunity to find out more about Steve Phillippe that many of us didn't know and uh, certainly some of the revelations I think will be uh, very, very well received by the listeners. But um, probably the thing that has most recently happened and obviously caught quite a few people by surprise was your decision to to leave WA Country Cricket and the WACA and WA Cricket as a whole. Are you you're, you're willing to share with us, uh, you know, sort of what, what how that came about and and some of your um, where you're headed to next? I guess. Yeah, it's, it's been uh, a difficult decision to make, but um, I suppose looking at it on the big picture, I, I just didn't think that I would necessarily stay at WA Cricket through to the end of my my working day. So um, you know, whether that's ten, twelve years, I, I don't know how long that is, but. Um, that was in the back of my mind. Um, and then my wife um, was looking at some opportunities to, to sort of change direction with her career and, and maybe work in the country. I've, I've spent a lot of time in the country, but she's never really spent any time there. And we, we couldn't go to the country when our kids were young and emerging in their careers because we, we needed to provide the opportunities for yeah. them here in Perth. So she had been looking at some work opportunities in, in regional WA and um, had asked me if I'd be prepared to go and, and join her if she got a job. And I, I sort of said that I would, but not that she ever actually applied for any jobs. She was <laughs> just thinking about it. And um, then out of the blue, I got a call from Contaf in, uh, I don't know how long ago it was, I don't know, a couple of months ago. And I uh, thought I'd have a chat to them. And they they'd sort of had some opportunities there and some, some exciting opportunities, you know, working in, in, in a school and education, through sport, all the things that I've done all my career. So um, that made a lot of sense to me at the time. I went back and shared that with her and she saw that as an opportunity to sort of pursue the, the, the idea that she had, that she wanted to do something completely different and head off and, and try some, some something different in a different part of the world. So it all sort of lined up. Um, yeah, that were the main reasons. Rob, probably the other one was a bit, bit of a selfish one, but um, yeah, I'm really excited about WA Cricket's redevelopment. Yeah. But yeah. I wasn't that excited about spending another two and a half years working in a building site, to be honest. <laughs> I've actually done this before at WA Cricket. So yeah. I just thought to myself, you know, as I say, being a bit selfish, I'm really looking forward to going back and having a swim in that pool and having a coffee at that new cafe and, and watching cricket. But I wasn't that keen on doing the, the two and a half years of, work, you know, moving offices and parking 15 minutes walk from the ground and getting wet on the way in three times a week. And yeah. I don't know, maybe I'm getting a bit old, a bit soft in my old <laughs> age, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I want the fruits of that labour, but I don't want to do the hard yards for it. So there was a lot of things that just got into my head, I suppose. And, um, yeah, even even with Josh as well, I suppose just an opportunity to try and just release him a little bit and, and not be... It's really nice to go to work and have your son pop in and say good day, but at the same time, it probably adds some pressure to him as well. Yep. So maybe maybe there was a little bit of that as well. I just thought that it would just free him up to, to be whatever player he's going to continue to be, hopefully. So there's was, there was just so many things that, that come into your mind. And, and in the end, I just thought, you know, I've had some... We all have things that happen in our lives and, and you think, you know, you just seize the moment sometimes. And, um, yeah, even things that happened recently for me, it just makes sense that I've, you see an opportunity, you grab it because you just don't know uh, when the next one's going to come along, really. 
and we haven't talked much about Josh because obviously um, his, you know, his profile is there for everybody to see. But you must be excessively proud of of what he's done, not only just you know in the Big Bash, but now clearly you know a Sheffield Shield winner as well. He, his cricket seems to be continuing to develop, and I think every one of us in the country, even though Josh never played country cricket, or not that I'm aware of, you know, we kind of own him as one of our own somehow, and that's be, you know, obviously through the connection through you, and I think every, I would be surprised if there wasn't a country cricket lover out there who doesn't rejoice every time Josh uh, uh, excels. Uh, I, I know I was on a plane cheering him on when he was even belting the scorches around in a game during this past summer in Sydney. So, uh, um, yeah, well, you, you must be excessively proud of, of his achievements and, and, like I say, the opportunity for him to still, you know, he's so young, he's still got the opportunity to, to, to take it to more levels, we believe, or I'm sure you, you feel confident that he can do that as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure everyone's really proud of, of their kids yep. and um, I'm, I'm no different. Um, but, yeah, he's, I mean, he's done some, I mean, he's got lots of individual accolades, but he, he's got the, the, at 25, he's got two Shield titles, two two Marsh Cups and two Big Bash titles. <laughs> so, you know, Sean Marsh played till he was nearly 40 to get one Shield. So I'm really proud of that. But um, I suppose I'm, what I'm most proud of is that he just, he always plays with a smile on his face. He's he's very, you know, well behaved on the field. He, he he doesn't intimidate or he's not aggressive towards anybody. And he just he just he loves cricket and he plays cricket like he loves cricket. And 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 that's and he, he's a free spirit and he never really changes too much about what he does and um, doesn't complicate it too much. And yeah, I just I just it's it's stressful watching him when you've got a son that plays the game that way. I can tell you, <laughs> but um, I'm immensely pleased that he. He does it his way and, um, yeah, that's probably what we're most proud of, I think, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I think we celebrate that. And, and again, just quietly, if you bump into Sean Marsh, he waited till 40 to win a Sheffield Shield. Well, just mention about a guy who had to wait till he was 40 to get his first A-grade senior country week, you know, while, while I'm talking to a bloke who got one in his first ever game. So uh, <laughs> I'm not – I'm sort of feeling Sean Marsh's pain right now, just quietly, but uh, – <laughs> What finally? What what is the role that you're going to be undertaking at Clontarf? Because I know it's only just kind of starting as we speak. What what will be the role? It's working with Indigenous kids predominantly. Is that right? Yeah, it certainly is. So it's in um, the northwest town of Newman, which is a town that that I've visited many times in my cricketing role. So I had a yep. good feel of, about the place and knowledge of the place. So I was certainly happy to to go there. It, it works. Um, I've got. Three schools that we that we have overseas, so two primaries and a high school in the town, and I've got a staff member in each of those schools. And everyone thinks it's a sporting program. Everyone actually thinks it's a footy program, but yeah. it's really a um, employment program, and a, it's about getting kids to come to school, supporting them to come to school, helping them to keep coming to school, helping them to be successful at school. And if they if they knuckle down and they and they commit to their schooling and they finish school. And Quantaf as a foundation will do everything they can to find them a job, and um, that then allows them to be, you know, really functional members of their community and to contribute in a really positive way. And um, yeah, it's going to be challenging. There's, these these boys um, had some fairly cha- big challenges to deal with, and um, yeah, if we can play some small part in, in making their lives better and making them have a successful 
you know, working career, then, um, you know, I'm at that point in my life where kids are off my hands and I've got some energy to put back into some really meaningful stuff. And, you know, I, I did, I remember saying at the Quantas interview that you know, I love cricket and we take ourselves pretty seriously and we love what we do, but it is only a game at the end of the day. And, um, Hopefully the, the work I'm going to do now is a bit more impactful and, and, and make, makes a bit more of a difference to some of these young boys' lives. I think it must be excessively exciting if uh, you can use those two words in the same sentence, but uh, I, you must be absolutely thrilled about the opportunity to do, again, almost some pioneering-style work with those kids up there and uh, I'm sure we're all glued to, to knowing how that rolls out. I have got a message on my phone here from one... Callum Howe, who's um, very excited <laughs> about the fact that you're going to throw a thousand balls a week at him while you're in Newman, but that's just his take on it. I don't know how that's um, going to play out, but <laughs> I, I did think about having him along to the uh, to the dinner, but I thought Timmy Edmonds and Callum Howe in the same yeah. spot was just too much for uh, for anyone to handle, really. <laughs> yes, well, I, I am envisaging uh, Tim Edmonds, Shane Bibble, and maybe Callum Howe and Steve Phillippe sitting up on the uh, the new banks that uh, the Wacker, when it is developed, and enjoying a few uh, quiet drinks and and reminiscing on some great times in WA country cricket. Um, Steve, in wrapping up, then um, this again is coming from me and from my heart, but uh, your impact on WA country cricket. Is, has been outstanding and um, we certainly have a debt of honour in WA Country Cricket for, for all the years that you have committed to WA Country Cricket. I, I can assure the listeners that you don't owe anything to anybody. Uh, you've basically done, done the journey and done it brilliantly and um, there's many, many, many of us who, who owe you a lot for what you've done for WA Country Cricket. And I think you and I have had this conversation. I suspect you won't be a stranger to WA Country Cricket moving forward. We'll uh, we'll certainly see you at events. It might even be, um, you know, having one final fling for Newman at, or uh, the Pilbara for, at a WA Country Masters. I don't know if the shoulder's up for it anymore. But we'll uh, see how that one plays out. But can I just say congratulations on what you have achieved for WA Country Cricket. Um, and, and what you've done expands even further than that for WA cricket as a whole, as we've heard through this interview t- today. But what you've done for WA country cricket, simply thank you, Steve Phillippe. Mate, thanks, Rob. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's a bit of a humbling experience to do the podcast. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm very lucky that I've had, you know, a, a time where I've been able to work in cricket. It wasn't always the way. And, and I just marvel at all the work that volunteers do their clubs in their own time at at the expense of their own families, at the expense of their own jobs, careers, all, all sorts. So I've been very lucky and I'm very pleased to be able to make a contribution. But, I, I you know, it's the people that do it for the love and, and some of them do it forever and ever and ever. And, yeah, those are the people that are the real heroes in country cricket. And, um, yeah, it's just nice to be associated with some of them and it's nice to... Uh, think that they will continue to do that for many years to come. I have enjoyed every single second of this. I hope the listeners have too. I'm sure they will, unpacking the life and times of Steve Phillippe and certainly the, the country journey that you were on for the boy from... I don't know whether you're going you're gonna to finish up um, 
toting out you're the boy from Norseman or I'm thinking more the boy from Esperance. I think okay. Esperance are claiming you for that one for the from a boy from Esperance who uh, played a little bit of country cricket and then went on to some reasonably lofty heights in, in Premier Cricket in Perth in particular and some, some opportunities through to what you've done in your time in cricket as a coach and then more recently as a, as a staff and staff member and administrator and just simply uh, an amazing person for WA Country Cricket. Again, thanks, Steve, and thanks for joining us today on Out on the Paddock. My pleasure, Rob. Thank you. Well, there it is. Steve, we simply can't thank you enough for everything that you have done for WA Country Cricket, and we want to reiterate all the very best of wishes for you in your new life ahead up in Newman. It wasn't mentioned during the interview, but in 2021, Steve was named as the recipient of the WA Country Cricket Board's highest honour, the WA Country Cricket Board Recognition Award, presented to someone who has made significant contributions to and has played a crucial role in shaping WA Country Cricket at the highest levels. I doubt that many would disagree that there hasn't been too many more worthy winners than you, Steve, to receive this award. Life and cricket moves on, however, and I'd love for you as our listeners to now hang in as we hear of what has unfolded in WA Country Cricket Association Grand Finals around WA of recent times, as well as the results of the recently completed WA Country Masters Cricket Carnival played in the Bunbury region in late March. So let's go. Let's kick off with the Peel Cricket Association and it was Hall's Head who took out this year's premiership with, uh, with a win that they had been trying for for a number of years now. Uh, two losses in the last uh, two seasons made them very hungry for this year and they finished up on eight for 153, batting first and bowled Shoalwater out in what turned out to be somewhat of a, uh, a one-sided match for 68, even contributors right across the board for Hall's Head. Um, but congratulations to the Hall's Head Cricket Club based out of Mandra, who have finally uh, got the holy grail of a grand final win in the Peel Cricket Association. And I'd encourage you, if you uh, jump onto My Cricket, you can watch the highlights of that match on Frogbox or through the My Cricket app. In the Bunbury and Districts Cricket Association, the BDCA men play a two-day match and uh, it turned out to be a bit of a thriller in the end. Marist, who had only just scraped into the finals, um, finished fourth um, throughout the regular season, um, made 104 and 134 across the two-day and two-innings match in a game very much dominated by bowlers. Colts in reply, the Colts Cricket Club that have... Uh, been a regular in grand finals for a long, long time now in the Bunbury and Districts Cricket Association. We're all out for 79 in the first innings and then nearly brought it home in a late charge in the second innings, chasing down um, 150 to win. Uh, they finished 160 to win, rather. They finished 22 short, being all out for 137. Uh, for Marist, uh, in a game dominated by bowlers, Tyson Italiano finished with match figures of five for 23, uh, debuting for Marist Cricket Club this year, uh, previously from Harvey Cricket Club, Harvey Benja Cricket Club, and Corey Fitt had the uh, incredible figures throughout the match of six for 32. So congratulations to Marist Cricket Club winning this year's BDCA 
A-grade men's grand final. And in the women's grand final, um, also played through March, Donnybrook, 5 for 196, defeated Marist, 71, in a bit of a one-sided match as well. But I want to call this out. Uh, This is an incredible call-out. For Donnybrook, Stephanie Jolly, playing her first season of regular cricket, made 147 of Donnybrook's score of 5 for 196. That 147 coming off 82 balls, including three sixes and 24s. Stephanie, I'm going to call it now across all the grand finals that we're going to mention today. Uh, I'm going with you are best on ground. Unbelievable performance by Stephanie, especially considering it was or has been her first full season of playing senior cricket for uh, the Donnybrook Cricket Club. Phenomenal effort. Let's move to the Midwest. And in the Midwest, uh, Towns Cricket Club, who have been a dominant force for a number of years now, pulled off their third grand final win in a row, defeating Bluff Point. Towns made three for 121 and chased down Bluff Points 120. Callum Marquis, uh, there's the Marquis name. We know a uh, former uh, interviewee on out on the paddock, Jared. I reckon that might uh, be a connection there. But uh, Callum Marquis is definitely making his name in WA Country Cricket and he was the winner of the Bob Taylor Medal making 56 not out, opening the batting for Towns Cricket Club. Fantastic effort. Well done to the, the, the team of Towns. Great effort. And in the women in the Midwest, uh, another great performance by the Wanderers Cricket Club who made two for 96 and then bowled Sportsman's out for 50, a name that's featuring highly in WA country women's cricket these days. Meg Spalding made 44 of 42 deliveries and was the player of the match, but also a special mention to Sammy Bitterscombe, who took four for six with the ball, which was a pretty exceptional effort as well. In the Eastern Goldfields Cricket Association, um, we saw Lakeview in an exciting match, a really probably one of the closest matches of all the grand finals, make 146 uh, to defeat Great Boulder, who were bowled out for 140 chasing. Now, Shane Wood for Lakeview made 68 and took two for 16 as um, the player of the match and probably most importantly came in with Lakeview batting first at five for 35 and got them to the total of 146, which proved to be the winning score. So well done to Shane and a, and a great shout out to all the guys at Lakeview on taking out this year's Eastern Goldfields Cricket Association A-grade Premiership. Let's move to the Great Southern and um, in the Albany and Districts Cricket Association, minor premiers Mount Barker made it back-to-back Premierships when they accounted for Royals in a, in a somewhat one-sided encounter. Mount Barker won the toss and sent Royals into bat on a, on a on another bowler's wicket. It seems to have been a few bowler's wickets around uh, the uh, the state for grand finals this year. Country 11 reps Nathan Cradelli, two for eight off eight overs, and Jeremy Wood, two for 16, did the damage by taking um, the top order away from Royals. Royals were all out for 72, and Mount, Mount Barker got the runs in less than 13 overs. 
Fantastic effort from from a, a famous cricket club in Mount Barker Cricket Club, playing yet another famous cricket club in WA Country Cricket, Royals. But I'm sure Mount Barker are still enjoying that one, perhaps even now as we go to air. Well done, guys. In the Great Southern Cricket Association, Broom Hill followed on from their drought-breaking and uh, flag-winning performance last year that we called out on last year's e- episode uh, to make it back-to-back premierships. Uh, Liam Want was the standout, scoring 133 in in Broom Hill's massive 281, with Kendon up trying desperately to track that down, but being all out for 175 in reply. Great effort by Liam and a great effort from the Broomhill Cricket Club to go back-to-back. And I know a certain dad of mine who will be looking down with a huge smile on his face with that, uh, that victory by the mighty Broomhill Cricket Club. And finally, in the Great Southern, in the Great Green Range Ongarup Cricket Association, it was Newdigate who uh, quickly chased down Borden's moderate total of 136 to be this year's Green Range Ongarup um, grand final champion, so congratulations to Newdigate. We'll get that name out eventually. Some uh, some ripping cr- cricketers over the journey from the Green Range Ongarup Cricket Association and Newdigate are uh, this year's grand final winners. Let's move to the Wheat Belt and uh, probably the biggest association in regards to um, association grand finals in total. So let's start with the Wild Catcham Cricket Association. Now, this grand final was played in Gamaling and saw Korda Kadu up against Gamaling. And it was Gamaling who came out as the grand final winners in the Wild Catcham Cricket Association. Korda Kadu, across uh, the two innings match that was played in that grand final, made seven for 116 and 108 all out. And Gamaling replying with six for 148 and then chasing down the 79 to win with three wickets down. Match, man of the match was Luke Seagat, whose first inning 72 not out, carried his bat throughout the innings and proved to be a match-winning effort for Gamaling. So great effort. Well done to the Gamaling Cricket Club. I'm going to get my names right eventually on this uh, episode. Um, but, uh, yeah, congratulations to Gamaling and well done to Korda Kadu on uh, also participating in this year's Wild Catcham Grand Final out at Gamaling. In the Avon Cricket Association, this one was played in York for the Grand Final. It was Tamman, 134, um, all out, who sadly fell to the uh, the mighty team from the York Cricket Club, who were none for 137 in, in uh, pursuit of Tamman's 134. Andy Galbraith, with 64 not out and two for 22, was the man of the match. And since 2012-13, bit of research here, York has played in eight grand finals in the Avon Cricket Association, winning five, and Tamman have played in nine grand finals, winning four. So clearly York and Tamman proving to be, again, um, the uh, the major players in the Avon Cricket Association. Well done to York Cricket Club. In the Upper Great Southern Cricket Association, this was played in Williams, a famous cricket club, the Williams Cricket Club, of course, um, and uh, mighty participants in Country Week over many years. Williams 7 for 142 on this occasion, however, were defeated by Kubaling, who made 6 for 143 in reply, so a ripping match there. 
Uh, man of the match was Grady Francis, who took three for 18 off 10 overs and also made 37 not out, so a significant match for Grady there. And certainly a fantastic win there by Kubalin Cricket Club. Um, and our congratulations go to the, the club as a whole and also Williams for participating in that grand final. In the Northern Cricket Association, this was played in Northern. Balladong, six for 154 and 94 in a two-innings match, defeated Ferrells, 81 and 120. Um, so that was a 73-run victory for Balladong. Another famous name in, um, in WA country cricket, Jermaine Davis Jr., made 46 not out in the first innings and took match figures of 7 for 32 across 17 overs. So well done to Jermaine. Great to see the, the Davis name still being carried through the Northern Cricket Association, certainly one that uh, has resonated across a long time now. And well done to Balladong Cricket Club on winning that uh, grand final in Northern. In the Eastern Districts Cricket Association, this was played in Narrabeen, Kalgarin, Hyden, Pingaring. Well, I think we go with Pingaring. Kalgarin, Hyden, Pingaring, 140 all out, were um, defeated Narrabeen, 116 all out. Uh, now, KHP, we might work with that, <laughs> won this year's grand final by 24 runs. So, well done. No, I need to, need to say it because it's only worthy. Uh, Kalgarin, Hyden, Pingaring Cricket Club, fantastic effort. Um, Kane Airy took four for 28 and made 38 off 31 balls batting at number nine to be man of the match in the Eastern Districts Cricket Association. Well done to Narrabeen for putting on a, a great um, a, a great performance in making the grand final and also providing the ground for that grand final. It's the third, um, the, the call out for Calgarin, Hyden, Pingaring. Uh, we'll go with, yeah, Pingaring. I, I, somebody's going to correct me on this, I'm sure. Um, is that they had to actually uh, qualify just to get into fourth spot and um, to win a grand final from fourth, as Maris did in the BDCA, is um, something pretty special, I reckon. And it's um, KHP's first premiership since two sides from the former Lakes Cricket Association merged in 2020-21 and joined the Eastern Districts Cricket Association. So well done to Calgarin, Hiding, Pink... Hyden Pingaring. <laughs> we'll go, we'll get that out eventually. And finally, in the South Midlands Cricket Association, this was played in Mora. Wotheroo, seven for 189, defeated, were defeated by Jinjin Cricket Club, who made eight for 192. So a ripping match. And uh, this certainly went, was one of the closest ones around all the associations in WA throughout uh, this um, final series. Jinjin, uh, Jinjin won by two wickets with three balls to spare. And man of the match was Lewis Rowe, making 71 not out. So well done to Lewis, but um, very much well done to the Jinjin Cricket Club. Jinjin had fallen to seven for 122 and fought back against Wotheroo, who we should call out are a brand new club in the South Midlands Cricket Association and to make a grand final in their first season is an outstanding effort. So well done to the brand new Wotheroo Cricket Club and we celebrate that 100%. 
So that's a wrap for all the country league or country grand final and association grand finals around regional WA for 2022-23. Congratulations to every team that participated in grand finals this year, uh, but also to every team that not only participated in finals but in uh, home and away matches throughout regional WA. You guys are the reason why WA country cricket continues to be so strong and so valued by everybody who participates. Well done. And we are really pleased that the 2022-23 season could be played almost uninterrupted for the first time in many years with such great success and with such great cricket played. But to finish off this episode, I did also promise that we would call out that the uh, pretty much the last event in WA Country Cricket wound up a couple of weeks ago in late um, March, early April, and that was the WA Country Masters Cricket Carnival, which has been played for now for 10 years and uh, continues to just grow in numbers and grow in uh, enjoyment, you might say, with all the, uh, the older guys getting the chance to participate in over 40s and over 50s cricket. Phenomenal cricket played over that weekend, a little bit of... Uh, drama with some rain early on, but we got through a successful weekend. And as I said, some phenomenal, amazing cricket played across that weekend. Great friendships renewed and great friendships created, which is really the number one goal of that carnival. But there are some winners in the over 50s. Harvey Leshnault broke through for their first ever over 50s win, former winners of the Arthur Marshall Cup in the over 40s, um, but their first uh, win in the over 50s. In a fabulous this year, um, it was experimented with having an, a grand final in the over 50s and uh, Harvey Leshnault versus Esperance played a, a, a very close and keenly fought grand final, having already played in a qualifying match and Harvey Leshnault winning that off the last ball of the game. Um, the grand final wasn't quite as close, but certainly the Harvey Leshnault Esperance um, uh, rivalry of many, many, many years at Country Week continues in Masters, it appears. And congratulations to Harvey Leshnault taking out their inaugural over 50s trophy. In the over 40s, um, with the numbers of teams this year, it was decided to split the over 40s into two pools. There was a black pool and a gold pool, um, and a winner would be announced as what has happened for the Arthur Marshall Cup, and both winners be acknowledged from both pools. In the black pool, um, again, keenly fought. But it was back-to-back -back for the Arthur Marshall Cup for the Upper Great Southern Cricket Association um, and uh, they proved to just uh, have enough to tip out Harvey Leshnold again in the over 40s, um, in the over 40s Blackpool this year. Harvey Leshnold um, probably in hindsight uh, or according to the scores only fell uh, six runs short of perhaps a challenging Upper Great Southern for that victory. No grand finals played in the over 40s, just simply on points. And in the gold division, uh, it came down to the last match of the T20 games that are played across the three-day games, uh, three days of the carnival, rather. It came down to the last match and the last ball of a match that determined this year's gold winners. And it was to be the Bustleton Margaret River Cricket Association who won the gold division 
by 0.02 of a point over South Midlands. South Midlands playing their first ever Masters Carnival, led by Brian Hall. Phenomenal performance by South Midlands. And basically a, a ball was hit for four off the last ball of a three-day carnival that tipped um, sadly, South Midlands out of top spot and opened the door for Bustleton Margaret River Cricket Association to win their first ever over 40s uh, Arthur Marshall Cup, previous winners of the over 50s, um, but their first ever over 40s. So congratulations again to all the teams that participated. The number one goal of that um, competition has always been friendship, fellowship and the spirit of cricket and that was highly on display over that weekend. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who's tuned in and also thank you to everyone who's contributed to this episode. Obviously, Steve Philippi, thanks again, Steve, for your time and uh, we, again, wish you all the very best for your time ahead. But also Wayne Harrington, uh, James Trail, also um, uh, Brady Garner from the Wheatbelt who gave uh, a lot of, or did a lot of research and uh, did a lot of chasing down for this episode of Out on the Paddock and those country grand final results that I mentioned a bit earlier in the, in the episode. We look forward to you tuning in again very soon to our next episode of Out on the Paddock and uh, long live WA country cricket.